0: I'm Fred McMurray and I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of Pillars of Franchising
1: for
2: 2024. Let's go!
3: And as Fred said, welcome to the first Fran- Pillars of franchising episode of 2024. I didn't even have anything to drink really on New Year's Eve, so why I stumbled on that, Karen? I have no idea. I, I, it's been it's been a tough week for me. It
4: always is that first week in January is tough.
3: Yeah, I don't know. And never is it ever the same or easy. But nonetheless, we have an amazing show for everyone today. We're going to be talking with Jeff Gartner from Hudson Valley Swim, a great model for people who are looking to get out of the corporate grind and become their own boss. But first, we've got some word on the street to talk about, brought to us uh, through Forbes Magazine. What do you got, Karen?
4: Absolutely. You know, it's always a great time, isn't it, at the beginning of the year to look back and say, you know, kind of what worked, what was successful, and then take a look at the new year. And yeah, the article sure. was really great. It had some great nuggets in it as far as some of the successes, a lot of successes from last year. I think a, you know, I don't. Know, when you were taking a look at it, I'm like, wow, because I think when we entered last year, I don't know about you, but I was a little apprehensive.
3: Well, not only did we have um, interest rates continuing to soar, which made people nervous, we had all the stuff that Jerry always talks about and probably will again with NLRV and the government in terms of, joint like employership, and we had higher wages, and we had um, groups striking. It was just unbelievable. Right. And I think
4: that continued on. And in spite of that, in spite of that, it increased, franchising increased in almost 15,000 units. Isn't
3: that crazy? Yes, it is. Um, but this is, is why I think small business is so great for America, because even though a greater number are suffering, there are still some that... For whatever decisions they've made, they've been able to persevere.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and and it's it's kind of exciting when you think about what franchising brought to the economy. Um, it you know I mean franchising really did fuel that economic growth. Yes, yes. With the employment again, in spite of a lot of the things that went on. Yes. and you know one thing that the article talked about it created approximately two hundred and fifty four thousand jobs. Pretty yeah, that's, that's incredible. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's one of the things that we talk a lot about. I think a lot of our show last year, um, you know, we, and you talk about franchising for new friends, you know, people are looking at franchising. Yep. Um, it really is a great vehicle for people that are saying, hey, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the, I'm tired of the, the, the corporate grind. I yeah, want something sure. different. And we, think
3: we, we saw a lot of that this past year, uh, basically, you know, through some of this growth. Yeah, yeah, and one of the number one um, things that they cited on there was work-life balance. And I think what's interesting now, you know, we went through a couple of years where people were working at home, they had all this freedom, and now you see a lot of corporations starting to pull back and request that people work more or all the time in the office. And I think people are like, they got used to having some freedom in their day when they got to work from home, and now they're like, yeah, I don't really want to go back to the office. I don't want somebody controlling when I go to lunch or when I have meetings and you know, I think it really gave us a look at how great working for yourself can be. Absolutely, that flexibility
4: that you just can't get yeah. with with the, with the corporate jobs. And, and yeah. I think many people were saying, "Gosh, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed that flexibility until then." It was, as you say, taken away. Because yeah. Story after story of people that are like, "Oh, now now I now I can't be as flexible. And yeah. I, I need that and I want that." For it's sure. For sure. Driving the growth.
3: Well, I really liked that in 2024, I mean, well, let's, let's just, in 2023, I think one of the keys, and we talk about this a lot, the difference between being an entrepreneur and being in franchising, while they're very similar, having the system dialed in for you really helps. And I think what we saw a lot of franchise systems do is help their franchisees dial in the business as costs went up and employment got hard. And I think that's really what helped a lot of these companies continue to grow, attribute to that 15,000-unit growth. And so I think that's where, when you look at a franchise over an independently-owned business, those resources can really be crucial for you. Exactly, because they're looking at at scale.
4: They're looking at those operational models. You know, what what, what can they do? Um, What can they provide to the franchisees? Um, Even, even if you take a look at like the whole, the, the, the branding, I mean, there's so much that they provide that if you're, and I've been on that entrepreneur side, I've actually started my own company, uh, you know, and, and it's, I'll tell you, it's really hard. Yeah. And it just provides a a good, a good ramp on, on ramps
3: that are much, much faster and better. Well, now here we are going into 2024. We're seeing higher interest rates, higher wages, lots of challenges. What are they thinking is going to go on now in 2024? They're still pretty bullish on, on growth, which I love. Yeah. And,
4: you know, a couple of the I guess, contributing factors. One is AI. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but everyone's talking about AI and everything. You know, what's the impact? What's it going to do? And, and you, know, you, you know, you and I were talking about this, Chris, and I think for emerging brands and, you know, you know, brands have been around for a very, a very long time, this could really positively impact how they set up business, how oh, they yeah. how they run operations, it can actually give emerging brands much more
3: of a competitive advantage. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's really um, you know, as we look at, at models, and everybody that I talk to who wants to buy a franchise, everybody's really super interested in this semi absentee or absentee model, right? right? And I think in a lot of ways where AI is coming in, it's allowing those owners to step out and let the system, let AI, like we've got a lot of things that are all automated, right? And so I'm not sitting there making phone calls all day. I'm not answering the phone all day. A lot of that, and I'm not texting reminders all day. A lot of all that is in the system that's working for me. So I can worry about my marketing. I can worry about my payroll and strategically where we're going to go next week or next month. And so I think that's, you know, a really cool thing that, again, if you are an entrepreneur opening your own business, those systems will available, aren't readily available. Exactly,
4: exactly. It's it's the whole, you know, we would talk about working on versus Mm -hmm. in. So even if you're a you know, you're you're in the business. You're going to be able to work on your business much more so because of all this all of this technology. You know, AI. I'm excited to see what's going to happen this next year with AI and all the things that it's going to that's going to bring. You know, and yeah. then I'm going to do the other side. The other side is is that even though we have AI, it does not replace the people. Yes, right. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to talk about that because you are my people person. I am. I am indeed. And it's not going to. And, and and those those brands that are are staying competitive with not only their employees, yep, that take a look at you know the market, keeping in tune with the customers, and yep. some of that is technology, and it's also that people side.
3: Yeah, and I think that was one of the really um, important things that they pointed out in this in this article is that this is really going to be a customer centric year. You know, people have choices. But what they're looking for is the experience, an entire experience. They don't want just transactional anymore. They want a relationship business. They they want to understand who you are. They like companies that are part of the community. Um, And I think, again, freeing up some of that busy work through AI allows people to get out there and do what we used to call the whole shaking hands and kissing babies. And that's another, that's a really unique and great way to begin these deeper relationships so that you have a longer-term client. You're not just one and done. Exactly.
4: And, yeah, and there's a point that they brought up that I, I think about a lot. And it's making sure as a franchisee that you're aligned with, yeah. like how you market. Your go-to-market strategy locally yes. matches that of the franchisor. And so yeah. that's why, for those of you that are that are looking at owning a franchise, really taking a look at that and taking a look at how do they go to market? Does that match your vision? Does mm-hmm. that match where you're comfortable? You know, if it, it matches like your passion, your heart. It's right. saying, Those are also the ones that are gonna win the more franchisees that connect in at that, at that more international level, if you yeah. know.
3: And it, again, you talk about emerging brands where I think they really have the benefit because your founders are far more available When you join an emerging brand, you actually get to talk. You know, last week we met with Preservin and uh, Ty McBride. And, like, you couldn't talk to the guy without his passion just being front and foremost. And, I mean, it just exudes it. And so I think that's what's really great about some of these emerging brands is that you can connect on a very deep level. And while they may have already made a lot of the mistakes, I think most of them are very open to hearing your new thoughts on, hey, did you ever consider? Right. You know, and you can be part of that founders group, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. More influence. So something's
4: just not being driven down to you, but you yeah. actually have more more influence. Yep.
3: And sure. more opinions and to be able to connect into that as well. Absolutely. Well with that, we should really get on the on the road because we have someone fantastic waiting in the green room for us. And I, in just a moment we'll bring on Jeff Gartner with Hudson Valley Swim.
1: Hey franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement,
3: Hey, Jeff Gartner with Hudson Valley Swim. Are we glad to see you today?
0: Thanks for having me, Kristen.
2: Welcome.
3: Absolutely. So, listen, you know, we were so excited to have you on because you are one of those emerging brands, indeed, that Karen and I were just talking about on Word on the Street. Can you tell us a little bit about how Hudson Valley Swim came to be, kind of a little history and a bit about yourself? Sure,
0: Hudson Valley Swim has been around for about twenty years it, uh basically the the concept started in my backyard. Um, I used to have so we're, we're a swim school uh, we We have a number of locations throughout the Hudson Valley in new york uh and um and and since we started franchising a year ago uh we've we've grown into uh, other states as well. but um our background really was I would bring in a swim instructor. To teach my kids how to swim, and we're in we're in New York State, and so come August the pool shuts down, and my kids really took to swimming. So what do I do with them? So I, I looked around for swim lessons, and uh, I took a look at some of the the uh, some of the local programs. I, I would say you know, 15 miles away, and uh, they they really weren't very good. You know there was a dozen kids in the pool. And, uh, you know, I was used to having, you know, two, three, four kids, you know, the local neighborhood kids. And, yeah. uh, so, so the, the, the concept really started with that. And, and so I started looking around for a pool where we could run an operation year round and, and hire instructors and, and so forth and, and develop the whole program. And it's taken a little bit of time. Uh, we've been at it for 20 years. It didn't really, uh, uh, happen out of the gate. We really, took our time really learning the industry, uh, what mm-hmm. worked, trying to streamline the operation and so forth. And, uh, and that's really what we've been doing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, you know, a year ago, we decided a franchise because one of the things that, that sort of happened in that 20 years was we went from running a business to a mission. It, it was, we really, really learned there was a big problem In this country, if not in this world, um, uh, with with drowning, and um, the statistics are alarming. And we we sort of morphed from hey, we need to you know run a business and make a lot of money to hey, we really need to do something for our community. And ooh, here's another community we can we can work in. And that's really what grew our uh, what uh, inspired our expansion and 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 so, you know, when you look at you know statistics as far as drownings in the u s um there are literally thirty five hundred to four thousand fatal drownings every year, fatal drownings
2: wow, twice
0: as many near fatal and when we say near fatal, that doesn't mean okay, you're all good, yeah that means uh and very very often there's uh physical ailments as a result, if not, you know, brain damage, respiratory right. issues, things like that. And so it, it's a big problem. And then when you look across certain demographics, it gets worse than others. You know, it, sure. you look in the, uh, the uh, African American community, 65% of that community has no aquatic skills. So, wow. um, you know, it really, I it's alarming that I, I can keep throwing stats at you and it would just knock you off your seat. And yeah. so that's really what's inspired this industry and you know besides Hudson Valley Swim there's a lot of good swim schools out there uh, you yep. know mom and pops all the way to some of the national brands but yeah. um you know we're we're all in the same mission
4: So so what makes you unique? You're offering unique, your kind of your your concept, your model.
0: There, there's probably three different categories of swim schools um at, there, there's the ones that, that um, where you build a facility, you know, uh, large investment, yeah. long time to market, high operational costs. Mm-hmm. There's the schools where that I'd say were, are kind of seasonal, where they're they're kind of coming to your house, they're mm-hmm. popping in. There's a lot of travel time, um, you know, they're not getting a lot of lessons, and they're not addressing a large uh, portion of the community by by doing that. And then there's there's a few of us that use a pool rental model where we develop relationships with uh, either local aquatic facilities, uh, community centers, some of the national brands, uh, fitness brands that have pools, uh, uh, guys like uh, uh, Fitness International that have the uh, LA Fitness and uh, and the Esporta Fitness brands that, uh, where they have. Typically pools in their fitness facilities, so we, we've developed relationships with these guys, and, and so um, we use that model. And what so, a great you partnership! Know,
3: yeah, I remember it's a when great I great
0: partnership. Yeah.
3: yeah, when I met you, and, and I was like, wow, I mean, this has got to be a really heavy investment. And you're like, oh no, you don't have to have a pool. And I'm like, okay, so how do you have a swim school without a school <laughs> or without a pool? And you were like, well, we just rent them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even ever think of that. It's a great well, the, the thing about
0: The thing about pools are they're severely underutilized, Yeah, you know, so you might join a fitness facility because it has all these amenities, including a pool that might sell you on one versus another. You might go to a hotel um, because it has a gym, even if you never use it, and a pool, even though you never use it, if you're going there, those pools are rarely used. Right. A lot of the community centers, the pools are rarely used. And so that's really what we're targeting for rentals.
3: Well, so that really makes it a low barrier to entry financially for your group.
0: Yeah, so a low investment. There's basically low investment, low operating costs, which Mm -hmm. improve your profit margin. Also, your time to market. We can get you in two and a half to three months up and running. Wow.
3: Wow. That's awesome. So let's Wait. talk a little bit about, I mean, some people are going, wow, all of this stuff sounds super good, super cool. But you still have um, this training, like, how do you get your aquatic staff, your, your, your lifeguards or your, your swim instructors?
0: So we, um, the, first, the first point I want to make is our owners are not your swim instructors. So you really don't need to know anything about aquatics. In order to run this business, we're really looking for people that uh, are more mission-oriented, community-oriented. Really want to do good for the community. You know, and obviously put a little bit of cash in their pocket. Yeah. Um, The um, we help identify the senior swim instructor, uh, part of the. initial franchise fee includes training that instructor on our program our program is unique it's one we developed over time um, and so they might be a very very experienced instructor we still have to teach them our language our skills we have a whole uh, lesson plan for every level uh, they need to learn all that once they you know, that, so that's now their lead instructor. They're more now responsible for training any additional instructors that you bring on. We also have an, a, a national aquatics uh, director who is going to work with all of the swim instructors, the leads and not, on a monthly basis, and if not, you know, obviously any questions in between, but um, on a monthly basis to, you know, talk about, um um different uh things that have happened in classes how mm-hmm. would they get around it and sort of brainstorm on certain things uh he's, he's seen it all he comes yeah. from a uh, uh many many years in fact it's one of those things you always hear about you know my dad was a police officer and his dad was a police officer well uh-huh. he comes from an aquatics family right and uh you know so they've seen it all He's sees his experience as they come and uh they, they do a lot of role playing and things like that, awesome. you know, in the course of uh, the ongoing training.
3: Well, part of the low barrier to, en- barrier to entry is: do I have to have an office or storefront? This is this can be home-based, right?
0: I'm I'm running. We run ours from the house. Um, one of the things that you do do so we have like a four-point marketing program. And in the case where, and one of those is on-site marketing. Okay. And in the case where you're running out of fitness facility or even a community center where you have people that are coming and going, you want to market to those people. So that's, you know, an element yeah. of what you want to do. So you set up a table, you're there, you're shaking hands, kissing babies as you, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so you, you, you want to kind of leverage the, the existing customer base, you know, to kind of bring them on and that helps with the awareness. But in general, there's no office that you need anywhere.
4: So then I would think, you know, when you were talking about the, the role of like, the franchisee, they really do have to have those, I would think those, yes, it's the heart, the passion, and the people skills. Because if they're the ones that are out there, someone needs to be out there getting that relationship with the the, 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 the pool or the, the site, the location, would that be a key, key responsibility for them? Well,
0: um, they, they obviously need to interact with, you know, whoever the operations manager is, with that pool and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, but more importantly, with the customers, with the parents, right? And um, uh, one of the elements that differentiates us is our focus on customer service. So I always, I always talk to candidates about the fact that years ago, you know, when you ran into a bad event, a bad customer service experience, you know, you're raising your hand, you're telling your friends, you're, you know, you're 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 putting a, a bad review, you're doing all that. You know, fast forward to, you know, the last five years or so, you're used to it, right? Bad experiences, you're just, you know, you just chuckle and you kind of move on. It's not worth your time. It's when you get that good experience is when, wow, what just happened? Yeah. Right, so mm-hmm. we're we're looking for that wow. So we consider ourselves a premium brand, and it's about the overall soup to nuts experience. Our office staff is trained to you know give them a a fantastic experience when they talk to them when they register. Our mm-hmm. swim instructors are are the senior instructors. We don't hire you know the uh, one or two years the high school student. Right.
2: The, yeah, the kid,
0: right. We're looking for senior uh, instructors. We're a premium brand, and so we're looking for that experience. And so the parents, the kids are getting a, um, a premium experience. The parents are getting that. They're seeing it. They're interacting with the instructors. They're interacting with the staff the same way if they have any issues. They're trying to get registered, trying to get two kids registered on the same day. We'll, we'll move classes around to try to accommodate people the best that we can. You know, and so that's the full experience. But I, I think there was a comment earlier about you know experience, the full experience. That's what we want to provide.
4: Absolutely, and I would think it, it would be a large word of mouth too, referrals.
0: Fifty percent. Right? So wow. the one. Okay, so so I mentioned the four point marketing program. All right. So digital marketing is is an aspect. On site marketing. We have a whole community centric marketing program, and then we have the whole um, referral marketing program. And one of the things that we've learned over time is 50 percent of our business is driven by word of mouth. Wow. So when somebody registers online, how did you hear about us? And it's always half the time it's through somebody else.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, all. Karen, remember the mom squad, right? We would sit yeah. there on the bench at a baseball game or a hockey game and talk about, oh, we just came from Meeting and someone's like, oh, where do you take swimming lessons, right? And that's how it all gets started. It's true. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. You mentioned a little bit about the customer servicing. thing. I wanted to go back to that. Um, do you all, the individual owners handle their own scheduling and phone calls or is that something that the franchise or do you have a call center? How does that work for you?
0: it's um it can't be handled through a call center. It's too complicated of a a process for that we We experimented mm-hmm. with that. um so they're gonna we're gonna train them on how to um the 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 biggest the two biggest things they need to do is scheduling and getting spitting people in, yeah. and the other thing is understanding what level these people are. you know so we have a whole decision tree. You know, that sounds more technical than it really is, but there's a set of questions that you ask to to identify what class that is appropriate. And worst case, they're in the wrong class. Our instructors are trained to identify and and raise the flag and basically Mm -hmm. say, Hey, you're not a, you're not a lionfish. You're a starfish. Go call the office (laughs) or, Hey, I have an opening in my starfish class at six o'clock. If you'd like to hang out, and try that class next we can Uh do that and then we can work on transferring you over there
3: well you just took me back to my kids swim lessons and i know i'll tell you (laughs) so as as a parent who is a modest mediocre swimmer and my father does not swim he had a close to drowning experience this last summer i'll never forget the day that they took my youngest and threw him in a 10-foot pool and i stood there panicked thinking (laughs) What if he forgets? What if he doesn't know what he's doing? Like I couldn't save him, right? And there's like 12 kids in the pool and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh. But the swim lessons were really the best gift I could have given my kids. So true. Because it's, I mean, they are really strong swimmers. They would have to save me before I could save them. And it really makes a world of difference. And when you talk about um, accessibility to different demographics and, and things, how, what, what are you doing to help reach out to those communities? I have to assume that it's an affordable, um, even though you're an, a premium brand, right? Everyone has to be able to afford swim lessons.
0: There's, uh, what, what's interesting is swim lessons are not really, people view it this way, and we have to educate them differently. It's not the same category as dance, you know, or gymnastics right. or t-ball. You know, it's, a, it's not sort of a sport where that it's kind of optional it's mm-hmm. it's sort of fill in, fill, in, fill in their day it it's a mandatory skill yeah. and and so y- you have to educate people now we do work with some organizations that have grants we work with uh, a lot of special needs organizations those are granted uh, usually there's a self-directed budget for for things like that it's actually a big problem in the special needs community um, the uh, drowning percentage is very, very high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, understandably, and um, yeah. and so that's you know that that's what we we kind of market to those those types of things. I've never seen like we'll, we'll work with people if, if you know they can they have two kids in there we'll divide up uh, yep. you know their fees so that they make payments on it and so forth. Mm-hmm. But really, price hasn't been an issue. That's um, great. Even at a, at kind of the premium, the higher level, at the higher range, yep. um, because one of the things, you know, we we have small class sizes, so that's the other thing. Go, you could pay a lot, you could pay less and go to a, a, a Y program, but you know, the Y program by us, the last I looked, they had 12 kids in a pool, you know, mm-hmm. with a high school student, and and so they're, they're not getting any time. So they you know, you get what you pay for in, in yeah. a lot of ways. It's good that people are going. It's good that they have those programs. But if you want to excel, you know, you you really need the smaller classes and the more experienced
3: instructors. I think that's awesome. We're going to take a quick break because we need to pay our bills. But I'd like to come back and talk about some of the stuff that's in your FDD. And for the people who are considering after this exciting um, discussion about your brand, um, kind of talk some more nuts and bolts about what it would take to get started and um, all the additional costs and things of that nature. So we'll be right back after this. Fifty
5: graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands. More than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join
0: us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com.
3: First, being a board member for the Titus Center I, on the advisory board, I have to say that um, that is an amazing school, and they've turned out some great graduates, and they've got kids that graduate, and they're buying two franchises at a time. It's unbelievable, and they've got a selling boot camp, uh, selling franchises boot camp coming up January 18th and 19th. So for anybody interested in that, um, just take a look at Palm Beach Atlantic
4: Titus Love the passion. Center. Love the passion for franchising, and, and and equipping people and especially, you know, the the, the younger younger yeah. generation, I think this is such a great opportunity.
3: Yeah, and they love internships. So I know you're kind of far from there, Jeff, but you know what? You've got students that probably live in New York that are going to Palm Beach Atlantic. So let's we'll talk about that later and see if you can find somebody to help with your internship.
0: <laughs> well, we do have a location down in Boca.
4: Yes, um, oh,
3: that. that's close. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Very close. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to get you in touch with them. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit. So I like the model. It sounds like you get to control your schedule a lot. Tell us about like the day in the life of a franchise owner.
0: So the the um uh, we run six sessions over the course of the year. So you figure seasons, all right. So a couple in the fall, a winter, a couple in the spring, and in the summer. And your registration period uh, in advance of the start of a session, you know, begins anywhere from two to four weeks prior, depending on how uh, mature your location is. And then once you get it, and then once you get started, um, you just continue registering in that session at least for another couple of weeks. And so you're more active managing the business for the first you know you're kind of in the marketing um uh registration kind of enrollment that kind of phase for a few weeks prior to the start and then you're sort of on site maybe helping to make sure everybody's situated properly move people here and there if they need to make a change to a different level and so forth and then you're kind of then it kind of fades out and you, you, you know you don't have to be there every day you can be there every day. The the real successful candidates are there kissing babies every day, taking <laughs> videos and so forth, but you have a pretty flexible schedule. You can be there on the busy days, you know, your weekends, especially Saturdays are usually pretty busy after yeah. school four 4 PM to 8 PM. are very busy. You pop in and out. Um, but for the most part, your instructors are kind of running the show. Um, but you know, it, it, it kind of varies in the amount of
3: time that you put in. Sure. I think that's awesome because I think, I, I don't know about you, Karen, but being a mom, like, I, it would be infectious for me to watch these kids grow. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you have a kid in sports you've, and they've continued through the years, you watch them grow in their skill sets and it's just, is something so cool about it 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 would be really amazing my four year old
4: granddaughter's in swim lessons now, and i'm just I'm amazed you know because the same thing where we're like get her in, get, get kids in early because they need to have these skills because you hear so many horror stories right yeah, but to see them how their little brains and and just their how they just take to this yeah and and learn things so much faster than 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 we do than we do so
0: one, one of the biggest selling points in the summer is, you know, you take that three or four year old and they go to a they go to a pool party at somebody's house over the over the summer. And, you know, you've got a dozen kids sitting there with swimmies on and you've got another kid that's literally doing the backstroke. Yeah. Uh and, and, and you know, you'll have cases like that and, and everybody's going, Wow, we want one of those. <laughs> you know, where did you go? And then all of a sudden you get a call from, you know, a dozen families that, that say, Hey, can I get my kids in lessons?
4: But so I, I've got a f I have got ai have a follow-up question to the day in the life. Um, you know, you talked about a lot of what, what they, they do on a regular basis. And one of the things and then you also mentioned the different relationships you have with I think you mentioned one of the um it's not Lifetime, but it's one of the extras of the places that have swimming. L.A. Fitness.
0: L.A. Fitness. Yeah, yeah.
4: LA Fitness. Yep. So so is this also, let's say I buy a franchise, is it my responsibility to go and get all those relationships uh, with with the pool areas? And then how many? No. How many do you have? Or what's that target?
0: <laughs> so uh, a couple things that uh, make us unique is um, we will help you find a location. You're not on your own to do that. And we also won't sell you a franchise unless we can find you a location. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: uh, so a a number of the schools will say, you know, go pick your territory, you know, and now go find something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might not be able to find a fitness facility in that in that territory. The best you can do is this, you know, um, swamp. And, you know, I'm just, you know, obviously that's an extreme, that's right. no, but yeah. I, I mean. It, that reminds it, it, but, me of my uh,
3: diving lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the truth. That's a rock
1: quarry, you know, like 40 degrees yeah. uh, But
0: water. Yeah, but we, we want you to be successful and we want to operate on the up and up. And um, so I, I would, we've turned candidates away because we just couldn't find a suitable location. Yeah. Um and, and, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I'd rather you be happy and successful.
3: So let's talk a little bit about um, what are you looking for in terms of your initial fee and how much money does somebody have to have in net worth, all of that good stuff.
0: So obviously the initial investment is is low. Um, we're looking at a 39.5 franchise fee, which nice. is on kind of the low end. Um the I'd say initial your capital, you probably should have 60K uh liquid uh net worth in the 250-ish range. Um so it's you know on the on the low end for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's you know for a single single territory. Right. Um the investment range when you start looking at the uh three month carrying costs. You know, uh, assuming you've got no offsets for sales, which is not realistic, um, is probably in the 80 to 120 range, uh, okay. and that includes all the marketing spend. Actually, that includes marketing spend for seven months, uh, oh, not wow. just three okay. months.
3: So that's built into right? there.
0: Yeah, and and so realistically, you're actually making sales, and a lot of your costs are variable based on, you know, how many students you have. You know, you're obviously not paying payroll if you only have, you know, teaching two days, you're not paying full time. Um, So that's kind of unrealistic, but, you know, you you have to put that in there because the government wants you in to put that in there, right? Um, Yeah.
2: But, so when uh,
3: do you when do you foresee somebody if they wanted to leave their corporate job and start a business like this how long do you feel it, it takes them before they start to generate some income because that's always the thing like gosh how long can I go
0: well it, you know it, it generate some income so far um, all of our units have been profitable within the first few months wow okay that's yeah that doesn't mean you know you're low in your pockets with cash, but uh, at least you're not emptying your
3: pockets, right? which is a key thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, that's, I really think the benefit of a lot of these um, brands that you don't have to have brick and mortar, that you don't have, like in my case, a fleet of cars, right? I mean, having those low costs, operational costs are really a huge benefit. Are you finding any trouble with staffing these aquatic experts at this point in time at all?
0: No, not, not. you know, they're they're out there. Um, You know, we're looking for somebody at least three to five years, hopefully more, but Mm -hmm. they're out there. Um, So far, we've been able to identify it in every location. I've got, I'm adding two more corporate locations uh, in March. Um, I already have staff, uh, so I've already found them. I've got two new territories opening. In, uh in Tampa and in Maryland uh Tampa we've already identified somebody uh actually it's Brandon Florida which is around okay Tampa. Yep. Mm-hmm. and um and then the, the one in Maryland we just started looking so uh hopefully awesome. we'll find
3: somebody soon awesome are there any um states that you're not currently um, registered in or looking to grow
0: yeah so we're we're kind of uh measured uh registrations obviously uh all the non-registration states uh we're we're in um yeah. there are a few states that we haven't registered for so like hawaii uh indiana kentucky
1: okay
3: uh,
0: nebraska there's a few others in there but we've got a good healthy number that we're registered in
3: Awesome. Well, the one thing that um, we talked about um, with Ty as well is one of the things my um, franchise consultant asked me when I looked at franchising, she said, well, where do you want to live? And I'm like, well, I live in Chicago. She goes, yeah, I know, but you don't have to stay there. Where do you want to live? And I was like, oh, hey. Never thought about that. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, especially in a a time like this where so many people um, are changing kind of their locations and their work styles and things. You know, maybe California, my gosh, has driven people out of there. Maybe somebody's sitting there in California thinking, you know, I would love to open my own business, but I just can't see me doing it here because of a lot of different reasons. And maybe they want to go to Phoenix. Maybe they want to go to, you know, uh, New Mexico. I mean, those are great options for people who just want to get the heck out, you know,
0: Yeah. Now, um, what we try to do is register in states that we know we have inventory, pool inventory.
1: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And
0: so, you know, we are. We went ahead and registered in California, and I know uh, a lot of brands stay away from there initially because it's hard to get in. We got in. um, You know, we're we're a New York brand, and so that we got in. I think the most difficult state was Maryland, uh, honestly.
4: Really, um, that's interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you horror stories there, but uh, we're we're in, and we have a, we have a sale. Um,
3: Good. Well, you have but, to be uh, you have in your, your eye on Illinois. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we uh we we have our eye on Illinois. <laughs> okay. Uh, but basically, it's when when where we have where we have inventory, um, will will uh, will register.
3: Okay, let's talk about territory size real quickly because I kind of got you off track a little bit. Territory size, how do you do it? What are you talking in terms of cost for a larger territory? Are you looking for multi-unit owners?
0: So we look at territory not in terms of uh, mileage, you know, from a radius point or whatever. We look at um, number of children age 14 and under. Okay. All right. Um, We we look at that number because we feel – you know, from a percentage base, you know, you want a good addressable market, you figure half of them aren't even going to consider swim lessons in that market, and you want to be able to support competition. Right. And, you know, and competitions, you know, it's a good thing. All right. Yeah, uh, because sure. that, that helps awareness. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a reason why there's a gas station on that four corners on every corner, right?
2: That's true. Um, That's
0: true. Um, so we look at um, 40,000, and that, that's usually, you know, depending on how rural of an area you are, you know, three to five mile radius, and that's usually the extent of what people want to travel, lower in places like Florida, higher in places like New York where you have higher, and I'm not talking New York City, I'm talking about, you know, more upstate where you've got, you know, larger acreage and so forth. People are used to driving 20 minutes to the grocery store.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, are there any um, any last thoughts that you have for people who might be considering your brand today after hearing the interview with you?
0: Yeah. So, so the important thing is to know you don't have to be an aquatics person. In fact, you know the Maryland owner that just that just signed. Um, she is certainly not an aquatics person. She had a, a near fatal uh, experience when she was a, a child, and this is what this is why she picked our brand right? awesome. Um honestly it's and true. uh
2: yeah.
0: um yeah she's a great person uh her she she's a she's a newlywed um you know I'm, i i have no doubt she's going to be successful she's got such a great attitude and awesome. um uh, um so uh you know and i want to capture her story uh, on video sure. because it's it's just it's it's heartwarming really um but you know we're looking, you know, we're looking for for people that just want to run a business that want to, you know, you you can you can work your job and have this sort of building as your exit strategy, um, and uh, which I think is a good model, you know, you you do yeah. I do like owner operators, uh, yeah. It can be semi-passive. You can put a uh, a manager in place. I would prefer you be an owner-operator for a while so you at least know the business because, you know, you never know what's going to happen with your your manager. Yeah, well,
3: uh, I think everybody is thanking you for coming up with a brand and a model that actually saves lives and makes a big difference. Um, in their families. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking to you in the next year or so and see just how many units you all are able to open, and hear some of the great success stories that you've had.
0: We're up to six, so we're ahead of the game.
3: I love. Awesome, it. awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time on the show today. I can't wait to speak with you again, and um, if anybody is looking to um, get in touch with Jeff, we'll obviously have all of his Contact information in the credits of the show. You can always go back and check that out again. And uh, just remember, this is a great low barrier of entry, semi-passive, and some impressive financials for you to look at here at Hudson Valley Swim. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Kristen and Karen. Yeah. Uh, I really I, I enjoyed enjoyed the conversation. I hope to speak to you and uh, I. I look forward to speaking to anybody that's interested in our brand. Awesome. Thank story. you
4: so much. Thank you. Looking right. forward to hearing your success.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: What are the top three reasons that you could tune in to solicit Franchising? One, franchise advice from a million-dollar mentoring team. And two, how about interviews from franchise professionals and influencers? And number three, how about getting some professional tips on buying, growing, and exiting your franchise? Join us on Police of Franchising to learn about the secrets of franchising success. You can find us at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you listen to your podcast. <sighs> yes, we have to remake that video, Jerry.
2: I do not
5: want you to remake it. That just really makes my day <laughs> when we do the show and I get to see the, the uh <laughs> Very exotic and uh, overwhelming you that you hide from us all the time.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's me. Uh, Enough about me, Jerry. How about you?
5: (laughs) I'd rather talk about you. Um, (laughs) Things are good. Life continues to move forward. Franchising is amazing. And, uh, you know, Karen just shared uh, 15,000 new units in the last year in franchising. That is amazing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and the number of jobs that that creates is, you know, it always makes me even more passionate about the franchising model because so many people want to get into business for themselves. They just don't know where to start. That was me, you know, and now I'm like, oh, my gosh, this was the best decision I ever could have made.
5: Well, and, you know, that drives me to help educate people about franchising. So some of the issues in Washington, D.C. that lead to more regulations and so on that impact our businesses, we don't have as many of those because, frankly, those people just don't understand franchising. They're making regulations based on, you know, other people's opinions instead of direct uh, information. So we're going to keep beating the drum. But, you know, you touched on it. Uh, You can't get to 15,000 units without scaling. That's right. you can't do it by people buying one unit to test the waters to see how it's going to work. So mm-hmm. for franchising to continue to lead the country in job creation and revenue and profit, and all the other things that we tend to lead in, uh, we need scaling. So Um, I start this uh, because I'm actually developing a a couple of classes right now on scaling for different groups that I'm working with. And I always start it with uh, generally when a franchisee first first gets into franchising, they can't see beyond their first unit. They have no idea and may have no interest in a second unit or a third unit. They literally want to dip their toe in the water and see what happens. Right. I have to keep preaching this, but the bottom line is, and my wife says this better than I do, you know, when we went from one unit to two units, we didn't double the number of hours we worked. We, we, when we went to two from two to eight, or whatever the next step right. was, we were still putting in the same or less hours than we did with one.
3: And do so, you think that's scary because the systems are already defined for you? So you have one system, and you're just basically watching multiple Results, but how would you describe that to somebody? Because I agree with you. It's, I mean, I wasn't ready when I bought my second territory. If you were to ask me if I were ready, but I did it because opportunity knocked. And you're right. With every acquisition, there's maybe a week that we have a little bit of a transition with staffing. We're staffed ahead, but you still have that, you know, the little bumps to work out. And then it's just like another day. So, how, what, what do you attribute that to?
5: Yeah, you know, that was actually my second point I was going to bring up. The first point I'll point out real quick and then move on to your question is, are you prepared? Because really it comes down to, will you be able to handle going to that next step of having a, yeah. and it's not work. Uh, it's, it shouldn't be much more stressed other than that transition time that you spoke of. So, but are you prepared for it? But, you know, your point, um, it, it is about the infrastructure. It is about you knowing the system. So you're working less hard than you did on the first one because you know what you're doing. And let's face it, if you're doing your own payroll, which some people do when they're at one or two units, adding a few more people to the payroll system doesn't take much more time. Yep. It's it's, it's just baked in. You just put the information in and, you know, boil it out. Um, so most of it is the systems that are in place, a good franchisor that supports you, and frankly you just knowing what you're doing by that point in time.
3: Yeah, Well, so let's talk a little bit about scalability, because obviously you uh, have now, what, 36 great clips, and you're, I don't know how many joint chiropractics now. But Do you think that if somebody were to look to buy today, should they look at a multi-unit deal, or should they go one unit in one brand and then consider down the road a second brand?
5: Yeah, you know, I can go both ways on that, Kristen, just to be honest with you. I think it comes down to the individual and what their thoughts are about moving forward and so on. Many times the benefit of buying a multi-unit uh, option is it's a little less expensive. And uh, and as long as you've got a not, uh, long enough development period, two- or three-year development period, you know, you, uh, you you probably are better off going that route if you have interest in scaling. If you're sure. unsure or you, you want to see what it looks like before you dive in, then just buy one. Don't. I, I've had too many people come to me that bought three packs or four packs or something like that, and they're a year or two into it, and it's not what they thought it was going to be. They yeah. let the excitement and optimism drive them to buy multiples, and now they're wondering what to do because you are on a development plan, and you, I, it, it's kind of a use it or lose it thing, and you don't get your money back.
2: Mm-hmm. So
5: You've got to be careful and know where you're coming from. I personally like the multi-packs, but you've got to be committed and ready to go. And another thing you got to think about, guys, when you're looking at whether it's multi-packs or when you get to the point where you want to scale, mm-hmm. borrowing capacity is huge because not just the money to get in, the upfront money to buy the license and to even build out a unit, but you got to have cash flow monies for a period of time, too. Sure. And so many don't have that and they get over enthused and get in a deep hole, and then they can't develop fast enough, and they they literally will lose some of their license options if they're
3: not careful. Well, and that's a good point, you know, because in 2023, as Karen and I were talking earlier, some of the challenges for those folks is building costs skyrocketed, right? Money became way more expensive. And so really, you have to be very strategic. I do know there have been um, franchisors who have, Made addendums to those expansion plans because of some of the circumstances, but they're not required to do that.
5: No, they're not, and everyone's different. So you just don't know what a franchise will going to do. You might hear the story from a friend in a different brand that got it, but yours may not have any interest in it. And you know, you and I have spoken. My my thoughts about interest on the money that you're borrowing is basically that's a tax write off as long as you can make your nut and you can pay your bills every month. I I would not lose two or three years of development op- opportunities for the extra interest right now. I know it's painful. Nobody likes borrowing money at in high interest. But if you can manage it and you use your write-offs in the right way, I think you're still okay. Construction costs, a little bit of a different thing, but still the same. You know, if you, Construction costs likely are not going to come down much. So okay. you know, if you're going to build in – if you're thinking, well, I'll just wait a year or two, you've you got to, it, it may not change at all. So um, I would not lose the opportunity if you're going to really consider it to just go ahead and move forward. Now for our listeners, because we got to go here in a minute, um, I'm developing a whole class on this. It's going to be available in about a month or so. Um, Pillars can certainly get the information out. If you want to know more about it, contact Pillars and I can get you that kind of information. Uh, or um, go to the IFA convention because I'm actually performing the class for the first time at the IFA convention in uh, in February. Yep. And I would love to have you attend my class. So look it up online. Come join us. Sit through the class. There will be Thank a lot you. of benefits
3: for it. Thank you so much, Gary. As always, we appreciate your wisdom and contributions. And we'll be right back after this. And here we are. I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. If you're interested in pursuing franchise ownership, whether it be of Hudson Valley swim or any other franchise brand, please visit our website at PaloozaFranchising.com where there's a handy form that'll pop up. You can let us know what it is that you're looking for. We'll be happy to help consult with you to find the uh, brand that best fits your needs, lifestyle and budget. At this time, I'd like to thank all of our contributors to the show today, Jerry Akers and Karen Kimsey sward Fred McMurray for all of our production, and of course the others that continue to support our show along the way. I'd like to uh, thank Ray Tiller for being one of our founding members who's just recently joined the board. We hope you all have a great week, and if you're looking for some franchising success, be sure to turn in next week on Pillars of Franchising at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time here on YouTube, telephyscientizing.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're looking forward to chatting with you soon. Have a great week.